Are you a pre-med student or a med student or even a resident? No matter where you are or what you're doing in medicine, we have something for you. Join us on this exciting journey through a world of medical knowledge and experience. Covering areas of professional and personal growth, career planning and medical education, sprinkled with timeless anecdotes and personal stories. The Meta Podcasts are brought to you by the International Office at Al-Faisal University College of Medicine. Subscribe, stay tuned and join us on this mission to give life to our global medical community. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of the Meta Podcasts. This is Omar, your host. And today we have an excellent guest with us. Before that, um, I want to tell you guys that the topic of today's podcast is going to be deciding on your future medical career. It is something that all medical students actually think about and plan about and are always um, you know, engaged in figuring out. So today, um, our guest here is very special. He is known as a very reliable friend to many, you know, in his college days. And more importantly, someone we can learn a lot from. He is a PGY2 anesthesiology resident at Case Western Reserve University in Ohio, United States. Please welcome Dr. Al-Awab Dabalis. Hi, Dr. Awab. How's it going? Hello, Amar. Thank you for your very kind words. Um, I'm very happy to be here and uh, hopefully people benefit from this uh, this podcast it's our pleasure to have you alawab um do you want to introduce yourself to the audience um sure i mean there's not much more than what you uh just said i'm a, a fifth batch graduate from al faisal uh my name is awab uh, i am currently doing anesthesiology at case western university hospitals in cleveland and um yeah it's been fun so far Hopefully the rest of it is too. Awesome. Awesome. You know, like I felt that you were one of the most suitable um, people, you know, to have as a guest for this podcast. And here we are. So Alawab, um, we know that, you know, with the start of the new academic year, we see a lot of freshmen, you know, med students coming in and having um, you know, their Twitter bios say aspiring neurosurgeon, aspiring cardiologist and whatnot, right? So definitely, you know, the journey of yeah. identifying your interests <laughs> and passion begin early. And, uh, you know, some people identify that earlier, some a bit later, but eventually, you know, everyone uh, has to come to a conclusion as to what they would want to pursue. So I want to begin with our first question here. When you got into med school, and versus when you graduated, how did your interest, specialty interest change? That's a good question. Uh, some people go into medical school, a lot of people go into medical school knowing or having an idea on what specialty they wanted. Uh, personally, I didn't have a specialty in mind when I went uh, or first started med school. Um, I would say that I wasn't, or I would say that the majority uh, at the time had a specialty in mind and more often than not those people wanted you know something like you know neurosurgery as you said or, or, or cardiac surgery or stuff like that but uh, for me it was more of a process uh, all the way from the beginning of medical school uh, you know encountering different 
subjects and, and body systems, uh, meeting different people, uh, experiencing different rotations, the hospital, all of these things, you know, led me to, to uh, finding my specialty of choice. So, you know, to answer your questions more of a, it was more of a process for me uh, throughout years of med school. And I only made my final decision during internship here uh, when I had a lot more experience, uh, when I had read a lot about the different specialties and, uh, and I was able to meet different people and, and kind of understand more the, the dynamics of application to, to residency and, and, and the competitiveness of it. Okay, yeah. that's, that's amazing. I love, you know, as you mentioned, it had been a journey and experience, a continuous experience of kind of like discovering what, you know, you wanted to pursue. So how did you um, end up, you know, or conclude that you wanted to pursue anesthesiology? Starting from the beginning, you know, during the first three years um, of, of basic and clinical sciences uh, at Al-Faisal, um, you know, going through the different body systems and even the basic sciences, um, you know, each, each time we started a block or a new subject, for me, it was an opportunity to, to learn something new and see whether that was something that was interesting to me or not. Uh, I would definitely say that by the end of third year, I was most fascinated by the, probably in terms of organs, the heart and the uh, liver, mm-hmm. um, you know, their pathology, physiology, all that yeah. stuff. Um, naturally, I thought, you know, starting fourth year or starting my clerkship years that I would probably, you know, um, be doing internal medicine in the future just because of what I liked most in, in, uh, in the first three mm-hmm. years. And even and because of that, I, uh, you know, did an observership uh, during the summer between third and fourth year in internal medicine at Kipis Edge mm-hmm. um, just to kind of get a head start and uh, also help me start off my, you know, fourth year little bit better than and more prepared than than uh, what I've uh, what would have otherwise been but that still didn't you know didn't you know given that fact I still wanted to keep an open mind towards other specialties mm-hmm. yeah. so you know during fourth year during doing surgery rotation doing pediatrics um, obstetrics uh, all of them I started off you know with an open mind wanted to learn the most as I could and see whether that was something that was uh, feasible for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, even for, for a you know, short amount of time, I, I was really, really fascinated by reproductive endocrinology, for example. And I, I for a phase uh, during fourth year, I, I thought that I was going to pursue that. Um, also during my surgery rotation, I was really interested in vascular surgery. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, you know, along the way, I got interested in different things. But then, you know, I'm, I would say I'm a very... After the end of the fourth year, I sat down with myself and I was like, you know, reflecting on the different rotations. And, you know, throughout the, the year, I, I had different things that I and different aspects that I liked about, you know, the four main rotations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I came to the conclusion that just rotating through something was not going to be enough for me to make a decision. Right. Um, and I needed more data. I needed more information. Um and at this point, I'm, I'm still not looking at competitiveness. I'm, I'm just thinking about what I want to do or what, what was the thing that I like, uh, that I'm going to like doing in the future. Um, right. and, and I didn't want a single experience to sway me. Uh, and so that's, that's why I, I, I needed more input and more information. And so mm-hmm. uh, that's when I started to actually 
read about the different specialties, read about, you know, the, the lifestyle, read about mm-hmm. yep. the fellowships that are available after the specialty, read about the competitiveness of application, stuff like that. Uh, and kind of, which kind of gave me more, um, you know, and, and also read about how other people arrived to the conclusion that this is the specialty that they wanted to reach um, or that they wanted to, to, to pursue. Uh, all mm-hmm. of these factors kind of helped me understand more and, and find different specialties. And at that point, you know, between fourth and fifth year, I still hadn't done any anesthesia rotation. I started to become intrigued about anesthesiology. And so when I did the rotation, which was essentially one week uh, during medical uh-huh. school, I already had a good understanding of what the expectations are, what, what the role is, uh, what the fellowships are, what the lifestyle is like. Uh, and so, you know, after that one week, I didn't feel like that was enough. So I actually requested to observe for an extra week during the mid-semester wow. break. Um, and they granted me that. And so I came, you know, five days during the mid-semester break, which was one week, and kind of did extra shadowing. Uh, and at that point, I was being more and more comfortable mm-hmm. with, the, uh, with the idea. Still, it's an unusual choice for many people. So still wasn't entirely sure. Um, but I, it was becoming more and more of a reality for me. And so at that point I started to get involved more in some research, uh, talking to more people, uh, getting to try to connect with mentors in the field and also, um, you know, did an internship rotation, um, uh, in, uh, in Riyadh. So before I did my electives in the U S uh, in NS- one, uh, so I did one internship month in in anesthesia and at that point I was uh, I made up my mind that that was going to be mm-hmm. what I was going to be applying for residency for. Wow. So as you can see, you know, long process, a lot of uh, uh, a lot of reading, mm-hmm. a lot of talking to people, asking questions and and kind of, you know, uh, going through the, the motions of, 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 you know, making sure that this is something that I want to right. pursue. Yeah, I mean, I think you really took us through your whole experience and the bottom line being that it doesn't come easy, right? Like it would uh, take effort for someone to determine and decide what specialty they want to go in. And some of the things that you did, you know, you observed and you spent extra time with that specialty to, you know, get in depth of the nature of it and the nature of work and lifestyle and so on. So really um, I have to credit you for all the efforts you put in to understand, you know, anesthesiology well enough for you to choose it as your career. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, sometimes it does come easy. Some people know exactly what they yeah. want to do, and, and that's totally fine too. You know, um, it's just if you're not sure what you want to do, that's when you need to spend extra effort to, right. to kind of uh, come to a conclusion. Absolutely. So you mentioned um, you mentioned several factors. You know, besides you know having a personal passion, you at some point started assessing the competitiveness, you know, the chances and the lifestyle and so on. So even though someone may have a passion for a certain specialty, uh, the practicality of pursuing that, you know, uh, specialty comes into question. And that's really a, a point where, you know, a person may have to make some tough decisions. So how would you, um, you know, advise or how do you see this factor into, uh, you know, people's decision of choosing specialty, the competitiveness of it? I think this is a great question. I think, you know, just to kind of, take things a step uh, back or like uh, take a 10,000 foot view of things, you know, it's not only about 
how competitive the specialty mm-hmm. is, but also, uh, you know, the, the question of which country uh, am I going to specialize in? And I think many people have an idea that they want to go to a very specific country because, say, they have family there or they have the specific, um, you know, thought that this country is better than the rest. And so mm-hmm. I, I need to go there. And, um, and that's one one school of thought. And then there are people who uh, have a very uh, specific specialty in mind and they don't mind going to different to a different country or or to learning a different language in order to to follow that specialty and so you know the the i would uh, you know first divide people into these two categories is are you uh, and and neither of them is right or wrong you know the only the question is whether you want to pursue a specific specialty regardless of where that you know uh leads you or follow a, a specific country and it doesn't matter what specialty you you uh, go into after that as, as long as that's the specialty that uh, as long as that's the country that you go to so um, that's the first kind of way that people look at uh, specialties and again that's I don't think that's a that's there's anything wrong with that mm-hmm. uh, once we once we establish that then the question is whether it is practical for someone to follow uh, their passion and a specialty regardless of other factors. And I think as long as you, people understand the consequences and the sacrifices that they're going to have to make in order to follow, uh, let's say, their passion in a competitive specialty, then to, then it will be easier for, for people to follow that. Um, basically, what I'm trying to say is the more competitive your specialty of choice is, the more sacrifices you're going to have to make, including... Um, the number of years that you're going to have to uh, spend after graduating before starting residency. I think, you know, we all know that the earlier you apply for residency, the more competitive you are, especially I'm talking about the U S but also that doesn't mean that if you're, if you just graduated and you have, you know, the most amazing scores or, uh, but you know, minimal research or connections in the U S then, uh, for a competitive specialty, you're probably going to be much lower down the l- list uh, compared to someone who's graduated maybe three, four years ago, but has had the opportunity to do a lot more research and a lot more and develop a lot more connections, uh, which will help uh, in the U.S. In a, in a very competitive specialty. And so, you know, uh, uh, the specialty choice to kind of wrap up my answer, I think the specialty choice is secondary uh, to the country of choice. Yeah. Um, and, uh, being practical, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, as long as you understand the different variables, the different sacrifices that you might have to make, uh, in order to choose a specialty, I think that's, there's nothing, uh, wrong with, with, uh, choosing a very competitive specialty Mm -hmm. or choosing to go with a, an easier specialty just to go to, for example, and, and follow, you know, uh, follow the uh, uh, pathway of going to the U.S. for residency, for example. Right. Um, that's awesomely said, Awab, and I would agree with you completely in terms of, you know, um, when people get to the crossroads of choosing a competitive specialty, but just keeping in mind, being aware of the effort is, it is going to take, you know, to make it there. Uh, moving on, um, you know, there's this uh, misconception I've been noticing amongst um, 
especially freshman medical students, that surgery the, and the surgical specialties seem to be more stellar than the medical specialties. And I wonder, you know, where does that arise from? And besides that, um, you know, there's this notion that your personality could affect, you know, your specialty choice. But at the same time, does your specialty choice influence your personality? So these are just thoughts, you know, I would love to discuss with you. Um, okay, so so let's answer the second part of that question first. Uh, I think overall, you know, uh, there are some predefined personality traits for each specialty kind of. Mm-hmm. It, it's not entirely accurate or not entirely, you know, uh, fully encompassing, but there definitely are uh, aggregates of diff- aggregates of diff- different personality types uh, under each specialty. Um, uh, and, and that's where, you know, the online tests that kind of tell you which specialty works mm-hmm. for you or works best for you and gives you like a percentage for each specialty. Th- that's where those uh, tests come from. Um, but, you know, it's, again, not entirely accurate. And in, in every specialty, you're going to find people that are ex- different from the, the typical uh, phenotype for that specialty. Right. Um, so I, I don't think uh, there's you know, an absolute answer to this, uh, the specialty could be uh, attractive, you know, uh, to a certain personality type, but at the same time, that doesn't preclude people with other personality types from, from going into that specialty mm-hmm. um, and vice versa. I think uh, people do get affected a little bit and their personalities do get affected a little bit, but that's just because of, you know, being around a lot of people from that personality type specifically, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be something that people consider as a, as a different uh, reason to pursue a specialty. Right. It's not uh, illogical to, to say that, yeah, I mean, I'm going to feel like I fit more in this specialty because of the people in it. So that, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but it shouldn't be the only or the main reason. Right. As for the fir- first part of the question, you know, surgery better than, than other specialties. I mean, I don't know that I, anything that I say will change, um, you know, uh, that frame of mind for uh, freshman uh, students or for society in general. Uh, I think the advice that I can give is, you know, have an open mind, you know, if, you, if you're uh, just now starting uh, uh, medicine, you know, explore all, explore all the specialties throughout your six years. Um, and, you know, if you continue to choose surgery, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as you appreciate, you know, what other physicians are doing um, in, in their respective fields and what they're doing to help advance uh, all medical practices and specifically surgical ones. You know, um, being in anesthesiology, I know how much of what the surgeons do is only possible because of what we're able to do in our field and the advances that we've had in our field mm-hmm. over the last couple of decades. Um, uh, you know, some of these insane uh, surgical cases that happen, you know, whether that's cardiac, right. thoracic, vascular, you know, all these big, big cases um, require, you know, very high level of, of, of care throughout the perioperative period. Mm-hmm. Starting from, you know, medical pre-optimization, optimization from, you know, the medical specialists mm-hmm. uh, to, to, you know, following with, for different types of surgeries, you know, you'll have radiologists involved and pathologists involved and, and everyone's a big part of the, uh, you know, preoperative patient encounter. And so um, for surgeons to feel like 
you know, they're uh, all encompassing is not really a good, uh, it, it just comes off as being ignorant, yep. to be honest, um, including, you know, and not only physicians, you know, including nurses and, and everyone else involved in the, in the uh, preoperative uh, environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just respect and, and, and uh, acknowledgement of what other people and, and the role of others uh, in the uh, uh, in the medical field, I think, is is the best advice that I can give if if you still decide to to pursue surgery. And there's definitely nothing wrong with pursuing surgery. Yep, I would agree with you 100% on that. I think there's really a need of you know need for mutual respect uh, amongst the specialties and especially you know people pursuing certain specialties and um, that really, you know, is the foundation of what healthcare is meant to be. It's really a huge collaborative effort and everyone just needs to appreciate and support what everyone else is doing. All right, Awab. Um, yep. Next up, we're going to play a game. All right. This is game time okay. with Medha. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so the game it goes like this. I will give you a few qualities, few words, you know, that describe certain qualities. And you have mm-hmm. to tell us the first specialty that comes to your mind. Okay. 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 All right. So I'm going to, can I, can I say more than one? Specialty? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> feel free. So okay, we, okay. I'm going to give you a few okay. words. You mentioned a specialty. Then I'm going to give you a few more qualities. Then you mention a specialty and we'll take it from there. Okay. Okay. All right. Here. Let's go. I'm let's ready. begin. Agile, fast thinker, lightning speed. Anesthesiology. <laughs> I'm not biased, but no, I think I think anesthesia is a is a good one. Also, emergency medicine. I agreed. Think agreed. One A and one and one B options mm-hmm. for this, agreed. For this uh, question. All right, toddler magnet, kid lover. Pediatric. Logical thinker, theory for, formulator. I, I have to say internal medicine, mm-hmm. um, but I'm gonna say that I also thought about pathology. Pathology okay. pathologists, I think, you know, have to be very logical and, and they have to also uh, come up with, uh, with theories. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with, with those. Two. Okay. Extroverted people loving social bug. Um, I think emergency medicine. Hmm. That's, in, that's an interesting choice. I would say family medicine. <laughs> family medicine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> probably. You're probably right. Let's, okay. All right. Uh, I think family medicine is a good choice. Yeah. Thing. All right. Meticulous <laughs> worker and very picky. Critical care. Okay, Make, makes sense. I think I would agree with you. Food-loving panda and cannot stop eating. <laughs> <laughs> um, are we are we gonna offend people now? Um, food-loving panda <laughs> and cannot stop eating. I mean, I don't know that this this applies to a specific specialty, but if I had to choose, out. I, I mean, I'm not entirely sure what radiologists do <laughs> the whole day behind their computer screens. Yep. So so let's just say, uh, and I love my radiology friends, but let's say radiology. <laughs> All right. Uh, workaholic loves the hospital bed and scrubs for pajamas. Uh, this has to be a surgical specialty. Um, yep. <laughs> it's, it's, it's either uh, neurosurgery, vascular surgery, or cardiac surgery, whichever one. Agreed. All right. Next up is... Aspirant always climbing the career ladder. Mm, I don't really know that this applies to a specific specialty. Yeah, this seems to be very general, actually. Um, I think in in whatever specialty you choose, you can still be, um, you know, you can still have these qualities and, yeah. and try to cr- climb uh, climb the career ladder. Yep. 
Fair enough. But I would still go with Intel Medicine because, um, you know, from how I look at it, you know, in Intel Medicine, people often follow up with the fellowship, right? I'm not sure how common that is in other specialties. Like what proportion of trainees who finish residency pursue a fellowship? You know, when you talk about pediatrics, when you talk about anesthesiology, I don't know. But I feel like a larger proportion of internal medicine uh, trainees would go on to pursue, you know, further training. So that's just how I look at it. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, uh, that's that's one way to, to look at it. Uh, but I also I was thinking, you know, when uh, when you say climbing the career ladder, I also look at non-clinical yeah, uh, things that yes. people can do, whether that's involvement in research, education, leadership. Yep. Um, all those things. So I think those opportunities are available for all um, specialties and not specific to, to one. Yep, that's very true, Awab. I would agree with that. All right, so that brings us to the end of this game time and we will continue with our questions. So the next question I have for you, Awab, is about research. You know, uh, we were lucky to be in an institution, Al-Faisal, that emphasized so much on research and really provided us with a lot of research opportunities to, you know, progress our interests when it comes to research and academics. Now, we're also noticing that there are some specialties for residency that are more research intensive in the sense that uh, to apply to certain specialties, especially the more competitive ones, uh, they really like and prefer seeing, um, you know, extensive research experience in that specialty. So can you please elaborate to us the role that research plays in establishing, you know, um, the interest and competitiveness of a medical student in a respective specialty. Yeah, so uh, absolutely. This is a very important point for those uh, applying um, specifically to the competitive specialties. Um, first of all, the role of the role of research, as you mentioned, as at, at the medical student level, the role of research is to show number one, that you know how to do research or you have some experience with research and number two, uh, your interest in a specialty. And I say one and two, because they're in that order. The first and most important thing is to show that you know how to do research. And then the second thing, if you were lucky enough to know which specialty you wanted early mm -hmm. on, then uh, you can have some research already in that field. But if, if you didn't know what research, uh, specialty you wanted early on and you just did research to show that you know how to do research, that also works. Now, I say that um, knowing that this applies only to specialties that are not as, in, uh, specialties and programs, mm -hmm. actually, that are not as interested in research uh, as some other programs would be. So let me elaborate more. So, you know, within within each specialty, you'll have programs that are, not interested in, 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 applicant, in applicant research mm -hmm. um, and they're more you know, clinical, clinically interested or uh, have different interests. Uh, but in, in some of the other specialties, the more competitive ones, you'll have majority that are interested in, in, in research. Mm -hmm. uh, and this also is not very, it's not a fair game just because, you know, uh, and, I, and the example that I'm following mostly is the U.S. examples. And that's because uh, I know more about the U.S. And, and I've looked a lot into it and I've heard a lot of stories about it. I don't know more, uh, you know, I don't know as much about the European uh, equivalent. But mm -hmm. in the U.S., competitive specialties like neurosurgery, plastic surgery, you know, orthopedics, uh, vascular surgery, all these 
uh, will not will not take an applicant uh, who doesn't have an incredible number of uh, you know let's say publications or presentations at conferences or abstracts uh, in that subspecialty or in that specialty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and this is kind of contrary to what I was saying at the beginning about you know number one uh, the number one importance is to show that you know how to do research and number two importance is the is to actually do something in the field but that that doesn't apply to the competitive specialties the competitive specialties want to see something productive in their field and they want to know that you are committed to the field yep. and what better way to show that you're committed to it uh, than having numerous publications or research experiences in that in that same field and and that can take years to establish you know i was actually looking up the data um for for this question uh for this exact question um on the charting outcomes mm-hmm. uh, nrmp data website which i would encourage anyone who's applying to the us to look at right uh, and you can go to the img specific document and look at uh, the numbers for imgs mm-hmm. you know the number of uh, cumulative number of publications abstracts and presentations for non-us imgs who matched into neurosurgery mm-hmm. or uh plastic surgery and vascular surgery were all 60 or more right so 60 publications slash abstracts slash conference presentations wow per per applicant who matched into uh these specialties for non-us imgs mm-hmm. and for the for most of us that's that's what we are non-us imgs um so you know in order to get 60 of these you have to do a lot of uh research work and that takes as i said either knowing from day one of medical school that this is what you want and working on it really hard from then mm-hmm. or taking a few years after graduation and and you know the, the associated uncertainty um the associated cost the associated time associated with that all uh and effort obviously um uh, all have to be considered if you're interested in, in any of these specialties but and this also you know applies to you know the other uh, really competitive specialties uh, ir ophthalmology ent uh, you know these kind of uh, uh, competitive specialties so yeah i mean research is important to force the competitive specialties because that's one way they filter out competitive applicants. Yep. Um, but, and the question of whether it's important for, you know, the other specialties is a question of program specific uh, interest. So some programs will like applicants who have research, a, a good research profile. Some uh, programs will not really care. And then others will see it as a bonus uh, and not really, uh, not really a necessity. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's hard to tell. Definitely look at the, the statistics. Again, charting outcomes google search charting outcomes for the uh, match mm-hmm. and go to the nrmp website and uh, look at the img specific document and look at you know the average uh, numbers look at the individual numbers uh, the charts are really helpful um, and once you have a better understanding of that you can then start you know reaching out to to, to closer to your application time start reaching right. out to programs and, and see their individual interests and, and whether that's something that you're interested in or not right uh, i will i would say try not to do research if you're not actually interested in research Mm -hmm. Um, and there are other ways where you can uh, make your uh, make your interest in a specialty uh, uh, clear however when you know the average person matching into plastic surgery uh, as a non-us img has 60 posters and publications and presentations Mm -hmm. then you know it's it's really not realistic for you to apply um, and say oh like i'm not interested in research um, but you know you're gonna have to to compromise a little bit from from some aspects. That is very true, and I think that's wonderful advice you gave you know to all uh, budding medical trainees and how they should you know approach research when it comes to um, 
deciding on a career specialty. All right, Awab, um, as we are coming to an end to today's episode, I want to delve into one last question. There are a lot of fields emerging, new fields that are emerging, you know, thanks to the advancements in medicine and science. And at the same time, uh, at the same time, there are um, some current specialties that are getting more and more obsolete uh, or let's say, you know, uh, decreasing in importance. So what do you have to say about that? You know, are there any hot specialties coming up and um, are there specialties right now that are becoming more competitive? I would say that, you know, it's it's easier to say it the way that you did say it, mm-hmm. but I think it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly uh, which specialties are losing, you know, uh, losing ground to others. Because right. basically what's happening is, you know, there's there are two things that are happening at the same time. We have some, uh, what used to be known as subspecialties are now becoming specialties on, on their own and, and, and they're becoming, let's, you know, just to give an example, it'd be easier, you know, in the past, uh, in order to do vascular surgery or cardiac surgery, you had to, you have to do a general surgery residency first right. and then do the, the fellowship. Mm-hmm. But now, uh, you can apply to those specialties, uh, for residency from the beginning. And again, I'm talking about the U S specifically, I know in Europe, things are a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but in the U S, you know, in order to do vascular surgery or plastic surgery or cardiac surgery, you have to do general first and then do a fellowship. But now you can apply to these directly from the from residency and so you don't have to really go through the process of, of doing the general residency first um we haven't had that shift in internal medicine yeah. yet but you know in the future that could also be uh the case um and and then the other thing is and the other thing we're seeing is the uh we're having more subspecialties or more fellowships in in things that are uh, minimally invasive mm-hmm. so in surgery you have a minimally invasive invasive surgery uh fellowship um in in medicine the the minimally invasive or interventional fellowships are becoming more and more competitive because, you know, that's where the market is going and that's where healthcare is going. You know, anything that has smaller or, or no incisions basically is getting more attraction endoscopies, percutaneous procedures. Um, and also like interventional radiology, for example, interventional cardiology, um, interventional pulmonology, these kind of fields are getting more and more uh, popular. Right. Um, and the more co- uh, popular they are, the more competitive they are because of the, you know, the sheer volume of people that are applying mm-hmm. and uh, the number of, of, of graduates that are graduating from medicine uh, continues to rise. And, and this is disproportionate to the number of, of training physicians that are increasing. And so some specialties are, are becoming these special, specifically these specialties are becoming more uh, competitive, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, yep. That's very well said, yeah. Awab. And um, it's really, you know, just um, a matter of uh, waiting and watching how things turn out, let's say a decade down the road and, you know, what specialties would be more prominent and which specialties would be less prominent. We currently are seeing a rise in AI artificial intelligence use and you know there are concerns that radiology and radiologists might lose importance because ai now is being able to diagnose imaging uh you know with the 100 same 100%. that's something that i uh that i wanted to, to that i forgot to, to, to touch on but yeah absolutely um while interventional radiology is, is gaining uh a lot of traction right radiology itself there's a lot of talk about you know whether that it's a specialty that's going to be needed uh, in the long run or can be replaced completely by ai as you mm-hmm. said uh, i know in the in the past and i can uh you know in the past there was some question about anesthesia oh. actually <laughs> having a reduced role because of you know automation and, yeah. and uh, having some some uh, you know element of machine-based learning right. replace what uh, what the human element can do mm-hmm. but you know i think in whatever specialty that you decide to pursue i think as long as you are as long as you pursue a subspecialty yeah 
at that point, I think you become um, more and more advanced and your knowledge yeah. is more and more uh, advanced and sophisticated to where it's it's going to be really hard to replace right. uh, to replace your, your knowledge and, and, and input. Yep. Uh, basically, you know, you're, you're going to be more in demand if you are more specialized. Exactly. All right, Awab. Is there anything else you would like to add? I think we've talked a lot about you know, choosing a clinical specialty, but I think also a very important uh, pathway or career um, uh, career pathway for people in medicine is looking at the non-clinical uh, specialties and 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 uh, possibilities. Mm-hmm. It's definitely some something that I personally consider throughout my you know six years of, of medicine, studying medicine. I was always at the back of my mind. I was always considering you know something that is non-clinical, whether that's more research-based right. or whether that's something more academic uh, in terms of you know just uh, let's. A, a university faculty position mm-hmm. um, with a with a focus on on education, um, and I I want to say that there's absolutely nothing wrong with pursuing either of these. I don't I don't think it makes you less of a you know M- MD or MBBS graduate if you decide to pursue either of those uh, careers. Mm-hmm. I know that you know clinical careers are depending on which specialty you choose, but a lot of times are are very overwhelming in terms of work hours and work life balance, and and it's not for everybody. And and a lot of times people pursue them and then you know try to find part-time jobs and, and things like that just because of how demanding the the job is or, or how much it, it drains from their uh, work-life balance and from their personal uh, well-being and so i think you know pursuing non-clinical fields is definitely something that people should consider throughout their time mm-hmm. in medical school specifically during their first three years right look look and see what um subjects you like the most what subject uh you think are of great interest to you do you think that you would you know want to pursue something that's academic or, or more research-based, talk to, to some of the faculty that teach us at the university and see whether, you know, you can get any advice from them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, when you start doing your clinical rotations, look back and, and evaluate whether you enjoyed your time during your time in class more than you do clinical rounds and, and, and you know, being in the hospital and seeing patients. Because there are people who go into medicine thinking that they're, you know, they're going to eventually become doctors, but then at the physician clinicians, I want to say, but then, you know, after after encountering both the the clinical aspect and the non-clinical aspect, feel like the non-clinical aspect is what they what they like more. And so you know things like research, education, uh, leadership, etc., are all I think uh, reasonable clinical pathways to pursue, right. um, and definitely something that people should should consider, uh, even if they know that they want to be clinicians. Just you mm-hmm. know, take a moment and consider what other options there are. Wonderful advice, Awab, and I think that's really well said. I have some very personal, very close friends and colleagues who actually, you know, were dead set on pursuing a clinical career, you know, which would mean residency training, but then had a change of mind once they really, you know, dug deeper and really thought about what they truly want to do. And they eventually decided on, you know, uh, going to a more academic uh, pathway. So definitely, you know, great options, great alternatives to a clinical pathway pathway and you know really heavily depends on what the person sees themselves do in the future and you know what they feel they would fit best in exactly and the best way to 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 evaluate these things is through you know number one try to do some research mostly some basic research in that 
same subject that you like the most let's say i don't know like uh this is probably not the best example but let's say immunology for example <laughs> uh i know it's not very popular but let's say you know you like or let's say you like microbiology right uh, you know you can take it to two uh two pathways you can take the path uh, clinical internal medicine infectious disease and then you know practice a clinical infectious uh you know microbiology kind of uh career mm -hmm. but at the same time you can and and also you can do you can have some academic uh, role with that so i know that dr butter for example initially uh, trained as a clinician um and and then he became more focused on on his uh, academic uh, role. Mm -hmm. uh, at the same uh, at the same time, you can also pursue the entirely academic route through doing a PhD and then mm -hmm. you know grow, growing through the uh, academic uh, rank right. uh, ladder. So so you know that's w one way to do it. So you know some research during medical school. Also try to get involved in teaching and teaching your uh, peers and juniors and see if that's something that you like to do. And and that could be something that you can do as a clinician or non-clinician but just something for you to, to consider to uh, looking at so yeah these are different ways where you can evaluate and see and definitely always talk to seniors talk to seniors talk to professors talk to physicians and, and see what they think mm -hmm. um, and as long as you're being reasonable as long as you're uh, you know what to expect what the pathway is like you're reading and looking into the different you know uh, aspect of whatever decision you're going to have to make or you're trying to make as long as you know the consequences i think go ahead and do it Wonderful advice, Awab, again, and I thank you for that. Exactly. Very well said. So indeed, a topic of great interest and time will tell how things turn out in medicine. Awab, yeah. it's been a great pleasure having you on this uh, show, which we call the MedHub podcast series. And pleasure is mine. Awab. Yeah, it's, you know, personally, on a personal level, it has been a great learning experience for me, although, you know, I have my mindset on internal medicine. <laughs> but it's, it's <laughs> nice to reflect back and see, you know, what kind of factors went into coming to this conclusion, you know, which you very nicely and thoroughly uh, discussed. So I am definite and very certain that this episode will serve as a good guidance for our junior, you know, doctors and our young medical students uh, in uh, deciding what they want to pursue and uh, give them an incentive to begin early in terms of, you know, getting there and what they need to do to actually pursue that specialty they dream of. So thank you very much, Awab. We wish you the very best of luck with your training and take care. Thank you so much, Omar, for having me, and uh, I hope your audience have, has a very good day. Thank you. All right, guys, this was the end of the Medha podcast on choosing your specialty, and we will see you on the next episode. Goodbye. Before we wind up, tell yourself, I owe my future today's hard work and grind. So keep grinding till we catch you again on our next episode with MedHub. Brought to you by Al-Faisal International Office.